Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And today, as per the result of our Twitter poll, on this friend or foe Friday, we're going to be taking a look at that scaly monster, the Lizard King. Okay, so as I said before the intro, we're going to be looking at the uh, Lizard King from the Fiend Folio, which if you've been listening to our previous Friend or Foe Friday episodes, you'll know that that's the book we're working our way through at the moment, produced by the UK arm of TSR Incorporated, and we're just working our way through those monsters, chatting a little bit about them, how they've changed in different editions, and potentially how you can use them in your games. And each week we put up a Twitter poll offering a choice of two or three monsters. And whichever one gets the most votes, that's the one we go for. And this week, it's the Lizard King. So, love, tell us a bit about the Lizard King in the Fiend Folio. So, it's a variety of Lizard Man. Taller, more intelligent and slightly more human-like than normal Lizard Man. Okay. It Basically, they run tribes of Lizard Men. And it doesn't specifically say that they've got like their own noble race above the other lizard men, but it's sort of implied here. Yeah, I was going to say this is something I, I, I mean, don't quote me on this, but I seem to remember a lot from sort of earlier D and D. You'd often have your sort of generic like evil minion race, like your lizard folk, mm. or like your bullywugs or whatever, which we talked about previously, and then quite often you'd have like a sub-race or a subspecies that was somehow mm-hmm. like the ruling caste, so the bullywugs, it talks a lot about the sort of strange swamp nobility they have, and here we seem to have the Lizard King fulfilling a sort of similar niche, really. I think this is actually a product of early D&D being developed from war games. Yeah. Because you've got your basic shock troops, and then you've got your unit leader. Yeah. in a lot of those sort of skirmishy games. So I think it's probably a product of that. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I mean, I, in my misbegotten youth, played like a fair amount of Warhammer, like a lot of people, like Fantasy Battle and stuff like that. And obviously you have like your big blocks of your generic troopers. And like you were saying, you have like your heroes leading them who sort of have different stats and they're set apart from the, uh, the troopers. So I could see how that could be a handover from that, mm-hmm. yeah. So the Lizard King uses a trident which is described as a fearsome weapon. Uh, it does between 5 and 20 hit points of damage. If the to hit die roll is 5 or greater than the score needed to hit, the trident will skewer the victim, doing double normal damage to a minimum of 15 hit points. Uh, however, Special properties only function when used by Lizard Kings. So again, I think we're seeing there like one of the sort of things we've we've noted previously in episodes mm-hmm. where a monster will have like a cool bit of kit, but obviously we know that players their mm-hmm. first action when they take down a monster tends to be I'm gonna loot that let's see what stuff they've got. And presumably the writers were like, oh, we don't want anyone running around just like critting everything and like dishing out like all this damage with the trident. So, yeah, we'll just put in a little thing that only like the Lizard Kings can do this. I'm surprised to see it so early though, because that seem, that's the thing I associate more with like fourth edition, mm-hmm. where you have like your special powers, but they're like powers for the creature rather than for like whatever weapons or whatever they're wielding. It is a dirty weapon though. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. In this uh, early edition, 
what else have we got? Okay, well, we're going to go a little bit off uh, track here. Um, we're going to vary away from D&D for just a few moments because as we were sort of doing the research and the reading for this episode, I was looking through the Lizardman entry and I was thinking, oh, I'm sure I've seen that somewhere before in like a different RPG and I couldn't quite place it. So I've been looking through a few of my older books and I found the Lizardman and in particular the Lizard Kings in the old advanced fighting fantasy out of the pit book now we've had a look at the dates of this and obviously out of the pit was like a compilation of monsters from your sort of solo fighting fantasy books that was adapted for mm -hmm. use in advanced fighting fantasy and sort of retooled to be used in an rpg context but apparently i think these first appeared in a book called the island of the lizard king which came out in a roundabout 1984 i think it was so that's obviously a few years after the fiend folio which i think was 1981 okay so having a quick look in out of the pit um lizard man obviously inhabits swamps jungles you know your standard lizard man however they're irredeemably tainted by chaos in the fighting fantasy setting and it describes a number of sub races so there's two-headed lizard men who are often serve as priests because it's seen as a blessing by their gods however they also have mutant lizard men like other mutations who are basically seen as like sort of second class citizens and are sort of like kicked mm -hmm. around and like beaten by the other lizard men who sort of pick on them because they've got a whole sort of survival of the fittest sort of thing and these sort of like mutant lizard men are seen as somehow sort of Mm -hmm. not as strong and not as sort of pertinent as the lizard man but there is a separate species with a separate entry for lizard king and it describes it as as little as five centuries ago what is now the great race of lizard man was a little more than a few disorganized tribes who spent most of their time fighting each other however from them have come the lizard kings superior reptilian beings who have taken control of the race and begun to organize it into a civilization each tribe is now ruled over by a Lizard King, each of whom in turn pays fealty to the members of a Grand Council. Lizard Kings are taller and stronger than normal Lizard Men and far more intelligent. They're civilised and sophisticated in their own way and are great leaders. And they basically have slightly higher stats and some extra mm -hmm. attacks. And they're really sort of like an in-game rationale as to how this barbaric, chaotic sort of tribal people have actually risen to become like a major player in the the world of Alansia, mm -hmm. which is the setting of fighting fantasy. So your fighting fantasy is more specific about there being like this separate race of the lizard men. I don't know um, if I'd say it's more specific, but it's definitely more tied into the background because mm -hmm. uh, advanced fighting fantasy had like a sort of set world, whereas obviously D and D was trying to be a bit more sort of general. And we've got a similar thing here in the next book along, which is a third edition, Forgotten Realms, Serpent Kingdoms, which includes the Lizard Kings. Yeah, I did have a, I did have a quick look around, see if I could find anything else for like version 3, 3.5 of D&D. But although I could find like a lot about standard lizard men in the monster manual, which obviously we're not going to go into here, partly because we're focusing on lizard kings, and partly because lizard men are similar enough to like the bullywugs that we covered earlier, though I think we'd just be repeating a lot of ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I have heard a few people say that like lizard kings were quite different in 
the Serpent Kingdoms book. So what does it say about them in there? Well, this, to me, is very much a progression from what was in the Fighting Fantasy book. We've now got the uh, Lizard Folk tribes being ruled by the Lizard Kings, and the Lizard Kings are an entirely separate race who are descended from Lizard Folk and demons... And then the pure demons went back through the abyss and left their descendants behind, effectively, to worship them. Um, So they've got this whole, like, nobility thing, and it's very much reminds me of the whole uh, lizard man conspiracy theory of, like, lizard folk are descended... Sorry, uh, lizard people are ruling the world... And they're descended from like ancient aliens that uh, fathered the pharaohs and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. It very much struck me as like a Faerun version of that particular urban myth. Yeah, I mean that's that's quite an interesting and compelling case. The only thing I would say about um, lizard kings in this um, serpent kingdom book is obviously it's. It's tied into like the history of Faerun and the Forgotten Realms and whatnot, mm-hmm. but that whole like demon blood thing was never mentioned at all in the Fiend Folio. And personally, for me, it's one of those things that every time it crops up in D and D, I sort of have to suppress a little bit of a groan because it just seems like the laziest ever to me. Mm-hmm. It's like how many times, especially in Forgotten Realms, how many times do you uh, do you see like a creature in it and they're like, oh we want to make a more powerful creature. Or we could come up with a reason for them being more powerful. Or we could just say, oh it's demon blood in it. Or like mm. devil blood or whatever. Dragon and, blood. Yeah, it just seems like Elf a really blood, sort of fairy blood, yeah. Yeah, it just seems like a really sort of like cop out like slapdash way of justifying <laughs> having a slightly more powerful version which saves you as a writer having to think about it i might be wrong but that's just always the impression i've got whenever i see something described as demon blooded it's the same within the um in the forgotten realms monster book there's um a species of creature called tanarooks which are basically orcs with demon blood and they just look like orcs turned up to 11 with like some demon traits and again i think they were mentioned in various different like forgotten realms fiction which i'm not a big reader of so don't shoot me for this but again it just seemed like a really lazy way of doing it like, oh, how, can we, how can we make a more powerful orc oh it's a demon orc <laughs> but what else is there anything else about um lizard kings or that society or anything in there well as with a lot of third ed stuff it goes into a lot more detail of how you play characters what the animal's life cycle is like. Um, I noticed that they haven't specifically got tridents anymore, anywhere. Uh, They're all worshipping this one demon deity called Sessinek. Oh, yeah, I think that's like a snake demon or something, if I remember correctly. He's like the granddaddy of them. And, yeah, pretty much they're into ruling their lizard tribes and being all noble about it now i'm sure when you when you say noble what what do you mean so i'm sure you don't mean sort of like actual nobility do you just mean sort of like strong ruling over the week i I mean like the nobles in game of thrones especially with the incest from from the implications here (laughs) do 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 lizard king 
may have several mates whose company they enjoy, but they're still perceived as the lesser beings, so they'll only actually meet with other lizard kings or lizard queens. Uh, Again, it's something you seem to see a lot with these sub-races. It's that yeah. whole sort of superiority by sort of bloodline dealio, isn't it? Yeah. You know, where it's like, oh, it doesn't matter what you do if you're a lizard folk, because I've got demon blood, so like, I'm obviously superior to you. Mm-hmm. Which... Uh, again it seems to me like a fairly sort of slapdash way of just going yes these are bad guys yeah it it does underline how bad guy they are um which don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not entirely opposed to <laughs> if you want like an out and out bad guy in your game yeah. that is grand like evil them up to the max that's great it's much as i know it's a bit sort of like controversial now mm-hmm. the um sometimes players are just going to want a bad guy they can take on in a fight and whose dungeon they can loot and that's part yeah. of, without having to like question it in too much detail it, or the morality of it. And nice if you're going to do to that, know that your bad guy that you're killing is a bad bad guy. Yeah, if 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 you want just an out and out bad guy, I say go for it. Turn it up to eleven. Make them as bad as you can possibly <laughs> make them. Why not? That's their role within that story. Sure, you can put a few tweaks on it, and you can you can make them a bit more detailed and in depth. But if their role is to be the bad guy that gets killed by the player characters, make them a bad guy. So, have they turned up since 3rd Ed? Well, I did have a look to see if I could find anything in 4th Ed and couldn't really locate anything in that. I found a few sort of online bits and pieces. One was for 3rd Ed, which was here's how to make Lizard Kings, which are more like the Lizard Kings out of the Fiend Folio, because mm-hmm. obviously they changed them a lot in Serpent Kingdoms. And another was for 4th Ed, but that was talking more about a playable sort of race, which that was a big thing in 4th Ed, you know, as many playable mm-hmm. races, more than you can shake a stick at. So I'll put a few links to them in the description. But I don't think they really turn up again until the 5th edition Monster Manual, which I can see you've got there. So what does it say about Lizard Kings or Queens, as it notes here mm-hmm. in the 5th edition book? Uh, they are... This time, specifically, a type of lizard folk. So they're not separated out like in a They're not a separate race. They're not a separate subgroup of the race. It would appear that they are the biggest, strongest one and therefore in charge. That fits with the profile so far? They're not asking for demon sacrifices anymore. Rather, they're not asking for human sacrifices to their demon god anymore. Does it mention anything about have them having demonic blood or anything in particular? None of that. Well, that's nice. That's we good to see. We do have them worshipping dragons now. Well, yeah, there was a whole sort of um, there was a whole push from I forget if it was third or fourth edition it started from. I think third, where you know everything that was sort of vaguely lizard-like up to and including kobolds that had become progressively more sort of lizard-like and draconic seemed to have some link back to dragons. I missed this one we read before. Uh, from time to time, a lizard folk produces a powerful figure touched not by Semuyana, who would appear to be the standard lizard folk deity, but by Sessinek. Oh, that reptilian demon lord. That cheeky reptilian demon to corrupt and control the lizard folk. Lizard folk born in his image are larger and more cunning than lizard folk, and they're the lizard kings and queens. So they've not directly said sort of like, yes, they're half demon, but the background sort of Mm -hmm. implies they've got some sort of demonic or sort of evil deity taint to them. 
So we've wished you be honest, I think it's quite a nice thing because then if you liked the Serpent Kingdoms version and you want to go for that demon bit, you can do, but you don't have to. Uh, and I've just spotted, yes, they are sacrificing people to the lizard folk god, but this time it's Semiyana. So that's the standard god. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so you've got all sorts of options for who your lizard folk tribe are worshipping. Oh, I can see the trident's back on the start block. The trident's back on the start block. Is it as dirty? Plus five to hit. One target piercing damage. So it doesn't do the uh, triple spike thing with 15 points of damage. No, but I mean, 1d8 one, one plus 3, one plus three with the two hands is, is pretty respectable. <laughs> and you can throw it at range as well. So you get that plus 5 to hit if you're a Lizard King. Mm -hmm. So it's still it, it's still pretty respectable. I'd rather have it than a dagger. Mm. Okay, so if that's um, all the stuff out of the books, shall we talk for a little bit about how we think you could potentially like use them up but they have an interesting tweak on them in games? I, I was going to first offer up a suggestion. As we mentioned previously, the Lizard Kings, you've got a lot of this whole sort of like bloodborne superiority. They're a sort of ruling class, effectively. Mm -hmm. And we see that in a lot sort of, of earlier versions of D&D &D, and not just D&D &D, as we've said here you know fighting fantasy any sort of game where you tend to have like evil humanoids quite often you'll get a ruling class that has some sort of bloodborne superiority so you're saying it's time for the lizard folk to form a union no not not, not so much but sort of along those lines because I was thinking normally when you face such evil creatures you fight your way through the hordes of minions then you get to the end oh no it's the lizard king here comes the end of level boss mm -hmm. i was thinking well wouldn't it be interesting and we've talked about sort of intertribal conflicts when we did our bully mm. episode but one of the things it describes in sort of like advanced fighting fancy and in some of these D, D books is if a lizard king sort of rules a tribe they then set out to rule all the other tribes because they want to be in charge of as many lizard folk as possible so what if you, your lizard folk, your lizard king, sorry, sort of takes over his own tribe, starts taking over the other tribes, and some of the other tribes don't fancy it? They're, mm -hmm. like, oh, they're like, oh, we were quite happily, as we said in the fifth edition, they're quite happily sacrificing to like their, their lizard man god. Then this lizard king's coming in, and it's like, mm -mm -mm, I think you're going to be sacrificing to the demon lord, mm -hmm. Susarak or whatever it is, Susasudio or whatever the mm -hmm. name is from now on and maybe these lizard folk have been sacrificing to their lizard deity for like hundreds of years they're like actually we don't really fancy that but if you say no to the lizard king and his like double hard hombres that he's brought with him you're probably going to get butchered so they're like oh we're not really strong enough to take on the lizard king and he's got a whole tribe behind him oh who could we find that's like strong enough to like take on like a lizard king oh let's see them adventurers over there so I think that would be quite an interesting sort of like twist on the whole like someone hires you to go and take on a monster because how do you react as a player character like you see some lizard folk like surround you maybe and you're like oh get the weapons out it's time for combat and these lizard folk are like actually mate we're not here to attack you because like we're just like lizard folk like doing our thing in the swamp however there's this really nasty guy who's like taking over all the tribes and if he takes over our tribe it's going to be human sacrifices out the wasno and everyone's going to be dragged into the swamps and he's going to be coming for your villagers but we can give you some information help us out kill this lizard king the tribes will scatter and we can all get back to being nice and normal 
and then yeah. obviously after that the adventure could proceed along normal sort of adventure lines but I just think it's a bit more interesting and a bit of a twist because like do the player characters go yeah but like these these lizard men will work for aren't any better they're just like weaker than the mm-hmm. lizard kings you know what do we do because they are making sense we do need to kill this lizard king but like what do we do about the other lizard folk afterwards so you've still got a normal adventure but you've also got a bit of a moral dilemma if you want Another place I found some details about Lizard Kings was in the Pathfinder Chronicles book, Classic Monsters Revisited. And this is basically how you can take a lot of classic D&D monsters and you can fold them and adapt them into the Pathfinder world of Galarian. So I'm not going to go into the whole of that lizard folk thing here because there's lots of information in this book. However, it does say specifically about lizard kings that lizard folk continue to grow throughout their lives and once in every few generations a tribe is blessed with a lizard king, an individual who for unknown reasons, so no trace of demon blood, has a lifespan twice the length of his fellows as well as like the strength of arms to like hold a position of power. Apparently on their 100th birthday... A lizard king's status is officially acknowledged and he's honoured with the presentation of a special weapon, the war trident. So we're seeing that original inspiration coming through here, which shouldn't be a surprise because, as we all know, Pathfinder is like an adaption of D&D 3.5. Mm-hmm. So they get the war trident, large two-handed trident, much heavier than normal to take advantage of their great strength. They lose a range increment on their sort of thrown weapon damage but they deal 1d10 points of damage and have a times three critical hit multiplier in addition extensive ritualistic practice with this weapon gives them the improved critical feat as a bonus feat the war trident's worth 20 gp although most are masterwork and many are inlaid with precious metals so again that's an in-game justification for them doing mo damage with their trident so that's quite a different sort of model for their society with yeah. it being ruled by the oldest rather than like by birthright. Yeah, I mean, certainly the, the suggestion I'm sorry, the impression I'm getting off this is that the fact that they live twice as long as normal lizard men suggests normal lizard men don't live that long. So like, even if one can fight his way to the top, he's probably not going to like be alive long enough to really take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Whereas suddenly, if you say, oh, yeah, but this lizard king he's going to live twice as long so it suddenly becomes more feasible for them to have like bigger plans and sort of like overarching schemes so they can become more like you sort of like your master villain rather than just some like lizard man you like tongue around the head with a broadsword and deal with (laughs) and you wouldn't have to necessarily pay attention to those specific timelines no i mean you could say that most or the average lizard man only lives to 50 because most of them die when they're like 10 or 12 in their first few fights. If you're old enough and wily enough to live to 100, you've earned the right to that. Maybe all lizard men have the potential to live to like three, 400. It's just most of them don't. Yeah, and in fact, continue on a similar vein, there was an old Advanced Dungeons & Dragons module, I2, called Tomb of the Lizard King, for characters levels 5 to 7. And I'm sorry, I'm going to drop a bit of a spoiler for this, but it's been out for time, so, you know. But the the, the basic premise in this was there was a, a Lizard King who somehow got hold of, like, a ring or something that gave him, like, the standard, like, three wishes, 
and because they were like power mad they basically used their wishes to like give them like spellcasting abilities and make themselves very powerful but they're, they became overconfident they rode into battle against some foes and they were mortally injured at that point the the lizard king used like the last wish to basically say oh I want to survive long enough to like drink the blood of the enemies who brought me low. And essentially, because wishes tend to twist things around, it becomes a lizard man vampire, <laughs> which is a bizarre concept. But again, that ties in nicely to what we were talking about because it then gives you a potentially unlimited lifespan whereupon you can sort of lay these plans and this groundwork for doing things. I'll tell you what, I quite like the idea. I quite like the idea, maybe not a vampire, because, you know, that's, again, seems, seems a bit weird even for me. But if you like that kind of thing, fair enough. But um, I quite like the idea of maybe extending the life of, like, the Lizard King a bit, mm-hmm. and then sort of maybe having, like, a Lizard King who's perhaps sort of trying to expand the swamp land that they use for their terrain. Because we know there are ways that, like, swamps can be expanded, but obviously it takes a long old time so like if you're a normal lizard folk you're too busy fighting and mating and whatever to like deal with that whereas if you're like a lizard king who's like going to live for like one two hundred years plus and you're like in charge of all these lizard men tribes you might think oh it's actually worthwhile to have like loads of my lizard folk sort of spending 70 80 years working on like breaking dams and doing whatever to expand the swamp so I think that could be an interesting idea. I mean, what if you have like a a village who's like on the edge of this swamp and it's slowly expanding and getting nearer and nearer? And maybe a few years ago they were like, oh, we know there's lizard folk in the swamp, but we just don't get near the swamp. Happy days. But now like they're like, oh, it's only like it's like a few hundred yards away, and it's getting closer and closer by the day. So you could have them like try and get in touch with the players, try and find out what well, player characters, obviously, trying to find out what's going on and see if they can stop that which is potentially a very difficult thing to do because how do you stop like natural forces and like the terrain i mean obviously if you want to make it possible for them to stop it gems maybe there's some sort of magical doohickey that the lizard king's got that's expanding the swamps so you you have to venture into the swamp find the magical doohickey and stop whatever's going on if he's just doing it by the fact that he's had like lizard men sort of like reshaping the natural world in like purely normal ways and they've been doing it for like 90 years or whatever how do you set that right? Can you set that right? Mm-hmm. And also, if you know that the, the swamp's sort of getting closer to the village, that obviously gives you a, an inbuilt timer for the adventure. Because if you say that, like, oh, where the swamp, at the rate the swamp's going, it's going to take 10 days before the waters start lapping up against the village buildings, you know as player characters, you've got 10 days to sort this out. And that's assuming it doesn't speed up the progress so straight away you've got like a timer which can be used to like keep the tension high in that adventure so like, and i've had this in like games of dungeon world that i've run where i, I, I ran a game once it it was a, a one-on-one game for like matthew because he missed a few sessions and i wanted to like catch his character up and then um, he was playing like a thief mm-hmm. and he started yeah i think he, he had like 15 days or something to find this information and this evil cult and various things happened that stopped it, like delayed him. Mm-hmm. So like, at the start, it was like, oh, I've been caught picking someone's pocket. Oh, I'm thrown in jail for like three days. Oh, well, never mind. Mm-hmm. But then when he got to like 10 days 
and like his contacts are like oh i can get that information for you but it's going to take me a couple of days and he's like i haven't got a couple of days <laughs> and and it re- the the tension of the session really started building so at the start you get like in real life you go oh 15 days i've got loads of time but then when you're on like day 12 and like stuff still needs to be done that's when panic <laughs> kicks in everything starts getting a bit more frenetic and a bit more sort of energetic and panicked which i think could work really well in this sort of lizard man swamp expansion scenario mm. okay so that's been our episode on the lizard king we hope you've enjoyed it if you want to get in touch with us you can leave us a message on speakpipe there's a link in the description below or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com until we see you next time take care stay safe and keep gaming bye Which, if you've been listening to our previous Fender Throw... Actually, I'm drinking some more cheap, cheap, cheap rapper as well. So, can you think of any other ways we could use them in a game? Well, another interesting idea might be to... Um, how do I word it? Go on. I've lost it. So I'll have a, I'll have a toot on my vape. That's right, I'll have a toot on my vape. Let me stop it there. Have a, I was going to say something else then, but I've lost it. I was in the throw, my brain just suddenly went, nope.